You know, when I was a kid, I'd be heading out the door to play with my friends, and my mom would always call out, have fun. And I always thought that was funny that she'd say something like that, like she thought I was going to forget to have fun. As we grow older and we get jobs, we take on responsibilities, outcomes just start seeming so much more important. And so I now often need to be reminded by people like Stephen just a few moments ago to have fun. Grown-ups just seem a lot more concerned with making money or staying safe or with what the next right thing is, more concerned with those things than with just having fun. And lately I've found out that when I analyze less about what the next right thing is and just have fun at whatever I'm doing, then I feel less pressure and I have a better attitude as I go through my day. And this morning I'll propose to you that having fun is also an important criterion for selecting our social justice projects and for choosing the things that are best for me to work on as I try to grow beloved community out into the world. Sometimes figuring out what the next right thing to do is still feels quite important. I felt that way last summer. I had been going to seminary school for two years at that point, and I was still trying to decide, to decide what my next vocation was going to be. It seemed like time was getting short, and I had just one more year till graduation, and I wanted to pick the right vocation because this one is likely to be my last one, and I'm sure my wife would agree that she would like for it to be my last one. I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know if it was the right thing to do yet or not. You see, back a year before last summer, when I'm thinking like this, back in 2016, I had started volunteering at a place in Washington, D.C. called Jubilee Jobs. And Jubilee Jobs is a jobs office for people who are reentering the economy after incarceration or addiction or whatever has gotten them into chronic unemployment. Jubilee Jobs does one thing, and they do one thing well. They help people get that first job when they come back into the economy, and that's especially important for people getting out of prison or rehab to help them keep from going back to where they came from. After people get that job, they get hired, Jubilee Jobs stays in touch with them and helps them keep that job and eventually to optimize their employment by moving into a job that they would much rather be in or one that pays better. And what I liked about, about volunteering at Jubilee Jobs from the start is that it's face-to-face work with real human beings. I wasn't working with little bitty pieces parts like I had been working with in my, in my last career or working with spreadsheets and reports. Uh, at Jubilee Jobs, instead, I got to watch a person across from me over the course of one hour unfold. I got to watch them change from being arms crossed and skeptical and unconvinced that anybody could help them get a chance. And an hour later when they leave, they're making eye contact and they're standing up straight with their shoulders back and striding out the door with some hope. Many days as I've left after a shift, I have hit the sidewalk and just hollered out, yeah, I love this stuff. I didn't put it quite like that, but that's the way I felt. 
And one day I said that as I hit the sidewalk, and I heard myself, and I stopped, and I thought, what are you talking about? I love this stuff. You can do this stuff, Bob. You can do it full time. But you know, it wasn't long before second thoughts crept in. The little fears and stuff that that slip in there, there are just so many things that need doing in this world, right? Employment is an important issue for sure, but other issues are inarguably even bigger and maybe more adult important, like global warming, environmental degradation, overpopulation, nuclear disarmament. I'm only going to get one career, and so shouldn't I do something really important? Or is opening a jobs office in Frederick, is that the next right thing for me? So a year later, last summer again, I was still mulling that over, and it was in windshield time, some extended windshield time. I drove to Oregon and back, so I had lots of time to think. While I'm looking at the windshield, I was thinking about an article I'd read called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And this article is was about a book that, that was written by a hospice nurse named Bonnie Ware. And Bonnie Ware has sat and talked with hundreds of people who are on their way out of this life. And she writes that when people are actively dying, what they care about and what they often have regrets about are not what we think is important while we're living in the day-to-day of our lives. People who are dying never wish that they had worked harder. Can you imagine that? They never wish they had made more money or bought more stuff. What they say is, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Or I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And my favorite, I wish I had had the courage to live the life I wanted to live rather than the life that I thought other people expected of me. And I thought long and hard about that, about having the courage to live the life that I want to live. And I finally decided to trust that hundreds of dying people that talked to Bonnie Ware are not all making the same mistake. I decided to bet that trying to leave a legacy is an ego satisfaction that's only good for the short term. The long view is at the end of life, a legacy doesn't amount to a hill of beans if I build it to satisfy other people without being true to my own self. The real question was not, Should I start a jobs office? The real question was, do I want to start a jobs office? Does it sound like fun? So long as it's consistent with right principles, then I should just act like a kid and pick what I enjoy. There's so much to do anyway. If I'm doing what's fun, I'll do the job better. I'll be happier too. And so next month, Justice Jobs of Maryland, that's Justice Jobs, as a spinoff from Jubilee Jobs, where I volunteered in D.C. Justice Jobs of Maryland next month will open for business in beautiful downtown Frederick. I cannot cannot guarantee how this is going to turn out, which means it's scary and it's exciting and we need volunteers. So if you think this kind of work sounds like fun to you, then we should talk. But I do know this. We're going to help some people get jobs, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing that. And even if it doesn't work out on the first go-round, we're going to learn from our mistakes and come back with a plan B that will work better and be even more fun. 
If we back off a little bit from all that, world scripture, that's backing off a ways, right? It's littered, littered with advice about getting back to a childlike spirit of having fun. Using fun to describe what's the next right thing for me to do is what the Gospel of Thomas called becoming like a child who recognizes that beloved community has been in front of us the whole time, though we did not see it. Using fun to make decisions is what the Tao Te Ching talks about when it asks, can you focus on your life breath until you become as flexible as a newborn babe? The scriptures of Islam and Confucianism and Christianity and even the proverbs of the Akan people of southern Ghana all point to the same thing. Meditation, as Kate was reflecting a few minutes ago, offers numerous methods so we can choose what works best for us. Perhaps the most useful thing I've learned about meditation that sits in my brain anyway is that when the method I'm using has stopped working, when it stops being fun, that's a signal that it's time for me to switch to a new method of meditation. When we're, we're having fun that is consistent with good principles, we just naturally fade into a state of humility. We drop our ulterior motives, and we see the world just as it is, and we accept others just as they are, and we become flexible as a newborn babe. Having fun is when we focus on the process and not the result. Children who are at play focus on the process. The question becomes, what do I want to do, not, do I, how, I, not how, how do I want to turn out? Adults tend to place the emphasis on outcomes that we think we control, we think we do. And we think we're preparing for children for adulthood when we ask them that famous results-oriented question, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? When really, we're just momentarily jerking them out of the experience of being a child. Now, I'm not denying the fact that results do matter, both to adults and from time to time to kids as well. Stephen Covey, who Katie quoted for our chalice lighting, is heavy on results. But his point about results and leadership is that when you delegate a project to a person, you need to agree with them about the what, about the results that are desired, and leave the how, the how the work is going to be done, leave that up to them. They're going to get better results if they have the freedom to choose a process that they enjoy. And I'm also not talking about hedonism. As responsible adults, we've got to filter our choices through right principles. And fortunately, our Unitarian Universalist forebears have provided us with a list of right principles that we print on the back of our bulletin every Sunday just to keep people like me in line. Now, back to that question that we adults like to ask little kids. When I was a little, little bitty boy, adults used to ask me that question. They'd say, well, what do you want to be when you grow up, little boy? And you know what my earliest answer was? It was, I want to be a garbage man. And that was the truth. Every Tuesday, the garbage truck would come by our house, and I was so jealous of the men who got to ride on the back of that truck. It just looked like fun. And if there's a loving God in heaven, I think it would want its children to have fun and be happy. History is loaded with little children who know more about spiritual ways of getting through life than adults do. 
Augustine, can you believe I'm quoting Augustine in a UU congregation? He wrote a parable about learning from a child, and I think this parable it may be the best thing Augustine ever wrote, at least in my humble opinion. He tells about walking along the beach by the Mediterranean. He's trying to craft his next argument for the grand treatise he's writing about the Trinity. And he comes upon a child playing with a seashell, scooping water out of the Mediterranean into a small hole that she's dug in the sand. And she's just scooping water over and over into this hole. And he says, child, what are you doing? The child replies, well, you know, duh, the great Augustine. It's pretty obvious here. I'm scooping all the water out of the ocean into this hole. To which Augustine says, oh, child, you might as well give up now. There's no way you're ever going to succeed in scooping all the water out of the ocean. It's way too big, and there's way too much water out there. And the child replied, so it is with your book on the Trinity. <laughs> the wonder of God, the wonder of God is way too big to be captured by mere words. And with that, the child sprouted wings and flew away because she was an angel in disguise. <laughs> now... We know that Augustine wrote his book anyway, but we can take the lesson that children often know better how to be than adults do. Fast forward to the 1860s, kindergarten was brought to America by a Unitarian named Elizabeth Peabody. When she was teaching adults how to teach kids about religion, Peabody wrote, you ought to speak of God as little, little as possible. Speak of God as little as possible and just ask the children questions that guide them to discover the good that is in them. Adults wall those answers off with layers of insulation, but the kids still have ready access to them. Peabody's discovery was that the adult role is to, in education, is to provide an environment where kids can open up and the truth just spills out. So acting like a kid, having fun, can help us find the truth. It can help us make meaning in life where we didn't see meaning when we looked at things through the filter of adulthood. Peabody's approach is echoed in the Montessori philosophy of learning through self-discovery. Montessori research has reached some solid conclusions about the value of play or having fun. It concludes that play is a necessity. Play is the most valuable way that children learn. That play allows its children to use their imagination, their dexterity, their physical, their cognitive, and their emotional strength. And play is important to healthy brain development. That's what Montessori says about children at play. With our current understanding that the brain remains plastic and moldable throughout life, I think that play is also a necessity for adults. It's the most, most valuable way we adults learn. Play allows adults to use our imagination, our dexterity, our physical and our cognitive and emotional strength that is, it makes us more effective, and play is also important for keeping adult brains healthy. About that last point, it turns out that there is a direct physical link between having fun and staying healthy and keeping our brains sharp and our bodies sharp. It's now known that when we listen to a noise that's too loud for too long, our inner ears release a specific chemical that's associated with hearing loss. 
There's a name for that condition. It's called glutamate autotoxicity, auto-ear toxicity toxic. So, and the glutamate is the chemical. So this chemical is released whenever we listen to loud music for too long. Sounds like my mom was right, right? Now here's the interesting thing. For music that we dislike, that chemical is released at a lower volume than for music that we do like. I'll say that again. Whether it's loud classical or loud rock and roll that we like or don't like, our hearing is more sensitive to damage at a lower volume for the kind of music that we do not like. So apologies to mom. But it turns out that Wagner can harm my hearing at a lower volume than the Grateful Dead, Jefferson Airplane, and Big Brother and the Holding Company all put together. The point is, the emotional experience of enjoyment, of having fun, is linked to the chemical, physical, biomedical response in our inner ears. And the more fun we're having, the healthier the response. So for all these reasons, because any God that would make sense would want us to be happy, because we'll do our jobs better if we like them, because it'll make us healthier, because we'll find more meaning. I'm convinced for all these reasons that a theology of fun is important for how we spend our time in this world. Now, I'm not sugarcoating the fact that the world is in a mess. Sure, it's in a mess, and every generation has a lot of work to do. Maybe ours has more than most, but that's the way it is. Still, there's every reason that the work we do, even if we do it in the middle of the mess that the world is in right now, that work should be fun while we're doing it. So this is what I bring to you as good news for this day. Blessed be fun. Even when we're in the trenches of social justice, even when we're slogging it out, To make life fairer for people who otherwise do not have a chance, we don't have to work in a veil of tears. Even in those tough situations, we need to change and become as little children and choose to do what is fun for us. We'll be happier, we'll be healthier, we'll be more effective, and we'll find more meaning in what we do. Blessed be fun. I want to thank you all for being here this morning and participating in this community that has made my world so much bigger and added meaning to my own life. Thanks all to Stephen for the music that has evoked being childlike and having fun, and to Katie for her words that have been appropriate. All of life is a benediction. Your gifts, whatever you discover them to be, can be used to bless or curse the world. The mind's power, the strength of the hand, the reaches of the heart, the gift of speaking, of listening, imagining, seeing, and waiting, any of these can serve to feed the hungry, to bind up wounds, to welcome the stranger, to praise what is sacred, and to do the work of justice or offer love. And any of these can draw down the prison door. They can hoard bread, abandon the poor, obscure what is holy, comply with injustice, or withhold love. You must answer this question. What will you do with your gifts? Choose to bless the world and bless it through the spirit of love. Go in peace.